Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. The following program is presented for entertainment purposes. WCHQ does not necessarily endorse the ideas presented. Fearscape is a program that explores the legend and lore around many creepy and scary things. Information is researched and presented in an entertainment fashion and is presented based off of what we found. Legends have a way of changing over time, so... Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Fearscape here on 100.9 FM WCHQ, as well as the Destination Nation Network. We are here to bring you all the spookiness, ookiness, crookiness, zookiness, and every other word that I've just made up to represent weird. Uh, (laughs) We are going to cover paranormal, aliens, Bigfoot, all that stuff, but it's... It's Halloween time, so we're going to be covering monsters. But my name is Stefan, and I am your host as usual. And I am joined, like always, by my co-host, Josh. That's right. He's like, <laughs> I got to say my own name. Oh my um, Josh Rutledge is here with me as usual. We're going to be talking about good stuff this month because it's 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 Halloween month, so we're we're staying away a little bit from. Uh, the aliens and and things like that, and really hitting kind of monsters and ghosts and uh, just some all around all the all the good stuff, yep. yeah, all around spooky, ooky, zooky, kooky, looky, crooky, pooky, booky. <laughs> wow, that's a polka. Uh, but yeah, this uh, today is no different than last week where we talked about monsters of the Bible because this week we are talking about a real life monster. Oh yeah, uh, a real life monster that um, has been attributed uh, to uh, mythology throughout the years, uh, and I would say has a following just about as big as Count Dracula. Oh, you probably thought we were going to do Count Dracula. Yeah, well, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, no, we're going to be talking about Elizabeth Bathory, uh, who is one of, is probably the most famous female serial killer of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the history books, I think that in the Guinness Book of World Records, she's mentioned as such. But uh, not only that, but she's also considered one of the first vampires uh, to take the stage and was possibly even, you know, inspired Bram Stoker. So we're going to get into that. But before we do that, we got to get into a little bit of spooky news. All right. So for spooky news, uh, it's not super spooky. Um, It's a little more scientific, which, of course, you know, we both love anyways. Um, But the fact that it comes from coast to coast... (laughs) Makes me question it just a hair, uh, as usual. But uh, recently, this article came out that said that 20 new moons were spotted orbiting Saturn. 
Actually, I have heard that other places as well. Okay, good. Well, I find that very, very interesting. Any time that we've found something within our own solar system oh, that yeah. hasn't been found like at this point is mind-boggling, especially with Hubble out there and everything. Uh, but the article states that astronomers have discovered 20 heretofore unidentified moons orbiting Saturn, which gives the gas giant the title for the planet with the most satellites in our solar system. The record-breaking finds were reportedly made by a team of researchers from the Carnegie Institute of Science. The discovery brings the total number of moons circling Saturn to a whopping 82, which is three more than have been found around Jupiter. Each of the new moons measures around three miles across and 17 of the bodies orbit in the opposite direction of the planet's rotation. Studying the orbits of these moons can reveal their origins as well as information about the conditions surrounding Saturn at the time of its formation, lead researcher Scott Shepard explained in a statement announcing discovery. As for what the moons will be called, the Carnegie Institute is actually turning in uh, that task over to the public by way of a contest in which people can submit suggested names for the newfound celestial bodies. However, before you start petitioning, petitioning to have one of them named after you, there are some restrictions as in honor of Saturn's sizable nature, the moons must be named after giants from Norse, Gaelic, or Inuit mythology. Hmm. So, yeah, we are. Well, let's get Planet Thor. Like, I mean, Moon Thor. Yeah, well, I'm- I am Moon Thor. <laughs> Well, a couple of interesting things. Uh, I don't want to get too 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 nerdy here, but um, so gas giants are believed to be basically uh, failed stars. Oh, I didn't know. that. So you know when it, when a star is formed, it's basically a bunch of gas that yeah. compacts in on itself, and then it starts to burn itself, and then it becomes a star. Right. That's so, also called diarrhea after you eat Mexican <laughs> food. Uh, but, so yeah. yeah. So um, that's why a lot of times when we're looking for like exoplanets, so planets outside of our solar system that may be habitable, we're also looking at sometimes gas giants because some gas giants like Jupiter and even Uranus give off their own heat. So it's possible that you could actually find life on the moon of a gas giant. I've always wondered about that, why we're always so interested in that. Because I was always thought, God, they're so far from yeah. the sun. So that makes sense that if they're getting heat from these gas giants, yep. that there is a possibility for life. Yep. Very interesting. I'm always interested in Titan, of course, I think, as we all are. Yeah, Titan uh, Europa is yeah, another good Europa. one. Um, I think Europa is the uh, ice moon around, um, I want to say, Jupiter. Sure. That um, we're actually, so a lot of these scientific studies that we're doing in Antarctica around sending probes to the bottom, like mm-hmm. drilling through the ice to get and to that the... that one's Titan, because Titan, I know, Titan, yes, okay. they, they are very certain that there's an ocean underneath of it. So that's why, like, we're doing all these studies in Antarctica trying to basically drill through the ice and put a probe in, in the mm-hmm. ocean underneath Antarctica, because the plan is to do that on that uh, on that ice moon. Yeah, I, I love it. I love astronomy, and... But I've seen too many sci-fi movies. I've seen too many sci-fi movies. Some mutated thing that oh, they're yeah. going to find. It's going to mutate somebody. And oh, the, the the movie The Thing comes. The to Thing. Life. Yeah. Oh yes. Especially Ice. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. that's the news that I have. Um, you know, we just because it's science doesn't mean it's not weird. Uh, oh, yeah. The fact that we have not seen twenty moons. Um, is is just insane, uh, and I love that some of them go in the opposite, opposite direction. direction. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Another, crazy another fun me. fact uh, about the planets: Saturn is not the only one that has rings. Yes, I knew that. Neptune, Neptune, yeah, and I believe Uranus. Uranus, yeah, they, that they have rings as yep. well. They all got married. 
they're in one polyamorous yeah. relationship yeah. together as <laughs> Jupiter's like har, har, har. sister planets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't even want to talk about Pluto. Uh, but anyways, that is spooky news. All right, so uh, yeah, spooky news. Woo, aliens. We're not talking about aliens. We're nope. talking about moons. Uh, no, but I had a pretty uneventful week. Um, I think mostly I was so busy this week. So, so busy this week um, between traveling to a wedding, seeing family, seeing uh, my friend Santosh, who was on here a few episodes back. Uh, it's just I, there was a lot going on, and uh, I don't think I had time to to do. But I, you know, I guess at the same time, I also uh, I'm pagan, so we did a really big cleansing ritual too. Yeah. So that may have had something to do with it as well. Um, but yeah, no creepy ketchup for me. But I know you have a small little bit, so let's go ahead and get into some creepy ketchup. Sounds good. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy catch-up! Creepy catch-up! Y'all, it's creepy. Oh, I love that theme song. <laughs> yep, Mystic Mayonnaise. Um, Mystic Mayonnaise. <laughs> Man, another great punk band. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so my creepy catch-up is uh, my daughters and I were sitting out uh, on the back deck. Uh, they're five, uh, so we were sitting on the back deck looking up at the stars. And of course, I'm teaching them as much as I can about stars and all that kind of stuff. And so we're sitting there, and uh, my uh, one of my daughters, uh, uh, Lily, she says, "Look, what's that?" And she sees this light, you know, moving uh, south to north uh, across the sky. And again, it's like really high up there. It's so high up there that it looks like a star moving in the sky. I just, wow. I refuse to believe that that's an airplane that, that's flying up that high because, especially at night, in order for you to see it, the sun would be have to be reflecting off the object. Yeah. So uh, we did see the International Space Station, but that tracks in an easterly, you know, uh, right. west to east uh, path. This was definitely going north to south. So Right. This is like one of those Saturn moons. Right. <laughs> it's just doing its own thing. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that was, that was that's my small, creepy catch-up. But, again, it was kind of like in the same general vicinity of where we were seeing it before. Yeah, so. that's what I was going to say. That's why it's interesting is that, you know, you, you keep getting um, – kind of these pudding moments with other people you know whether it's um who did you say before your father-in-law yeah father-in-law father-in-law now your kids yep. and you know um you know and you're in a decent area that where i'm at i live so close to downtown i mean i'm lucky to see a star yeah and so uh, I'm, I'm, i i miss that i miss that <laughs> for, yeah I mean, for sure with uh you know the moon was like a partial moon out that night mm-hmm. but if, if there was no moon i mean you just see everything everything so. yeah i love that um, but yeah, keep your eyes to the skies, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, when the, not when the sun's out, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll jump out of that. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was that was creepy ketchup. Almost said spooky news again, but it was not. It's creepy ketchup. <laughs> creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. All right, so I'm ready to get into this. Uh, Elizabeth Bathory is one of my faves. She's awesome. Um, I was surprised, and we'll get into this a little later, but I was surprised um, to find out that her first movie appearance wasn't even until 1970. 
Well, she lived that long, huh? Yeah, she's really... Well, she's a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just absolutely surprised by that because I have always known about Elizabeth Bathory, and I'm mm. just surprised that... And it wasn't even Hollywood. It was Hammer Films that did it first, mm. which makes sense. Uh, but just very interested in that. But yeah, so what, what do you got for us today? Yeah, so, um, so basically we've got uh, this chick, uh, Elizabeth Bathory, and I don't mean to... to oh, Lizzie B? Yep. <laughs> and... Um, she. This all takes place in Hungary. Um, is it hun- Hungary or Hungary? I don't, I don't know. It's Hungary. Okay. Um, the uh, she's born <laughs> Hungary as a whole. <laughs> different thing we can't talk about on this show. And yeah, I think it was an HBO show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, so she's born um, August seventh, uh, fifteen sixty. Um, she died at the age of 54 on August 21st, 1614. I always find it interesting, anybody who their death date and their birth date is in, like, within a really short period of time close to each other. It's yeah. Just, you know, that, that to me just in itself is just really interesting. Yeah, to see. and it makes you wonder, it's like, how hard did you party for your 54th birthday, right. man? Like, <laughs> you know, so. or like, or or I, I find getting into some conspiracies here, but like how... Um, Jefferson and Adams both died on the 4th of July the oh, same year. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. weird. Yeah. What a weird day for yeah, They're I like, I can go yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made it to this many years for the, 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 uh, you know, the nation. So. Yep. <clears throat> but uh, so anyway, so um, as per the uh, Guinness uh, Book of World Records, which you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. um, uh, she has... Uh, holds the record as the most prolific female murderer and most prolific murderer of the Western world. Wow. Um, her purported victim count, 650. Holy crap. Right. And think about it. She's 54. Yeah. So, I mean, let's let's assume that she got started in her teens. I mean, that's still, you know... That's a, that's a big <laughs> count. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, I found this really interesting when I was uh, digging through looking for uh, looking for some research on this. So, her family controlled Transylvania. Really? Yeah. So she was a prominent nobility in Hungary, and her family controlled Transylvania. So um, her and Vlad were around the same joint. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I don't. I don't know. I didn't look it up. I wonder. I know y'all uh, previous to my joining the the, the the team did a story on Vlad the Impaler. Did. I don't remember when his reign of terror um, was supposed to happen. Maybe we can look that up. Well, and- he was uh, around fourteen forty eight. Uh, to, to, hold on a second, because uh, they don't know exactly what day he was born. Oh, no, 1428 uh, to 1477. Okay. So, I mean, so not far. No, like 100 years. Not basically. not far at all. That's crazy to me. My mind is blown right now. I mean, I know Wallachia is a little bit different. You know, it's uh, more Romanian. But, I mean, still, they were very close. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, and I'm sure, um, you know, they didn't have, uh, 
uh, probably newspapers or uh, right. or social media then, but but I'm sure news traveled, and so the uh, his exploits at the time I'm sure reached uh, those folks in Hungary, right? Um, through uh, the grapevine, or do they have grapes in Hungary? I don't know. Maybe it was. Some I'm, other. Sure, I'm sure they do. <laughs> the I mean, there's vine. no sunlight anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> the olive vine. Um, so the olive vine. But yeah, so what's really interesting too is that her uncle. Uh, uh, Stephen, or perhaps it's Stefan, I'm not sure. Um, Bathory. Let's go with, let's go with Stefan. Was uh, the king of Poland. So, I mean, she, here, here's a pretty pretty prominent uh, family in the, uh, in the area. Um, and when we get into it a little further down, we'll, we'll find that uh, that, that uh, nobility uh, helped her uh, quite a bit uh, later on in life. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, so she, uh, she got married. Uh, to another uh, powerful uh, Hungarian family dude. Um, his name was um, Count Ferenc. Not not a not a stay. You're on your own on these yeah. ones. Nadiste. I don't know. Namaste. Yeah, I, I just I, I'm, I just always wanted to be a count. I don't know. I, right. I, how do you do? You have to be appointed as a count. Uh, no. I think it's royalty. Okay. You know, uh, because I'm totally making this up. <laughs> well, <laughs> I watched I watched this uh, this show on um, uh, BBC a few years ago. It was called The White Queen. Mm-hmm. It was about uh, the Queen of England and all of her stuff. And, and when the when the uh, when the English families uh, took like so, it shifted from being one ruling family to another ruling family. They would just like make various members of their family different posts yeah. like you're going to be a count you're going to be a baron you're going to be a whatever so uh it looks like originally a count was someone who kind of uh in nobility purposes was someone who kind of reigned over a county type area oh, okay um but later on especially in um the western roman empire it became known as someone who was more like a military commander but didn't have a specific rank um, you know, and then from there. So, yeah, it looks like it was mostly kind of appointed in a sense of like the because it was land. It was based off yeah. of land. Um, and so you could be given that land, but your family could then reign. Yeah, right. As the count. It's kind of like um, if you move into an apartment building and you become the super, you get to live there rent free. Yes. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But um it also makes me wonder how, like, uh, Count Chocula and uh, the, uh, the the Count, you know, got their titles. What did they have to do to get those? But anyways. I, I mean, it's right. pretty low. Uh, so, you know, you've got your prince and princesses and the, that normal hierarchy. Underneath that is a duke or a duchess. Underneath that gets into sovereign prince and sovereign princesses. Underneath that is where we get into uh, the marquee. Um, and then under that is the count or the earl. So yeah. earl and count are pretty similar. So like somebody threw him a bone, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So probably through a military conquest. Yeah, probably. So so she got married to this guy. Um, I'll just I'm just gonna call him Count Nad. Yeah, uh, Count Nads. Okay. And uh, in 1575, um, and they moved to uh, Castle. Uh, Grace Cole. Cash Tice? Cocktice? Cocktice? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Cocktice? Maybe someone listening speaks Hungarian and can tell us what this says. But, um, which was a wedding gift uh, by the uh, Count's family. 
heck of a heck of a gift. Yeah, here's a castle. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, so from uh, 1585 to 1595, so keeping in mind she was born in 1560, she had uh, four children. So basically, I think, you know, I could be wrong, but I think as far as like of the time, uh, you know, 25 would have been pretty late to bear your first child, I think. Back then, for sure. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean it, you're getting married at like 13 and and then, yeah. So, um Anyways, uh, so from um, throughout the 15th century, um, she uh, basically, she and her servants, uh, she got uh, her, her servants involved, um, uh, killed uh, six, oh, well, just mean, not just killed. I mean, they did some pretty uh, messed up things um, to, uh, to uh, six, r- roughly 650 people. Um, and uh, just, you know, some of the things that, that it kind of talks about here that, that she would do or that was, I guess, uh, professes that she would bathe in people's blood, um, uh, st- stabbing the victims, biting their breasts, hands, face, and arms, cutting them with scissors, sticking needles into their lips, or burning them with a red-hot iron. Mm-hmm. I mean, just... You know, all around uh, a good time at the uh, at the castle, uh, Coctis or whatever, <laughs> whatever the name there is. So, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, it's um, it was yeah, it's pretty pretty bad. I mean, and I've actually got a complete list here uh, that I was able to find of all the different, um, I guess, um, testimonials mm-hmm. or not really testimonials. So, so three hundred people gave a testimonial. Um, it, that and this this list is all the things that they knew about that that her and her four servants had done. Right. So um, let's uh, let's go through these. There's quite a bit, and and they're really all worth kind of talking about. Yeah. Um, because these are pretty messed up, uh, you know. And a lot of these, they say that you know, close to 600 of them, they assume were virgins. Yeah. As well, she was obsessed with blood. Um, that's where she gets the nickname the Blood Countess, yep. um, or even Countess Dracula, um, you know, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so warning to people listening, uh, these are going to be um, disturbing details because uh, it's gross. I mean, it's, it's yeah, just, it's really, really messed up. Yeah, I mean, it's um, so. So we'll go. We'll go back and forth on these. Okay, that sounds work. That sounds clean. So, um, so again, uh, keeping in mind this this came from the testimonials of three hundred individuals, uh, and this is yeah, what at her trial at her trial, yep. And this is what um, what her and her uh, four closest servant servants were accused of doing. Which is interesting, by the way, because she had four children, and so I wonder if she didn't want them involved, right? So she's like, well, I'll pick four of my servants yeah. to do what I would love to do with my kids. What's really interesting is. Um, uh, in, in most of the accounts that I found or most of the stories that I found online, um, there's really no mention of their children. I mean, it's, it's like it's like they weren't there. Yeah. And they, maybe, maybe they were sent away. Yeah, I mean, it's, more than likely. I mean, more than likely. Even here on one of the web pages, like, there's no link for any of those kids yeah. um, to check and to look into, um, you know. So yeah, they. I mean, they were rich. So they probably sent off to school, yeah, boarding or, school, or, or whatever the case was in the in the 16th century. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> All right. So I will start off here. Um, 
So uh, uh, first thing we've got here is, is kept her servants chained up every night so tight their hands turned blue and they spurted blood. Jeez, I mean, you have to be very, very tight on that. Yeah, I mean, it's... Excuse me, I mean, it, in... We think about that the hand, and, and there's really not a, not a lot there on the wrist part to really uh, secure chains to. So, I mean, I mean, I'm thinking that like the, it was so tight that like the hand almost was falling off. I mean, yeah. basically, and I can just feel that pressed against the wrist bones oh, as well. Man, you're, you're making welcome. my stomach queasy here. <laughs> uh, she also beat them to the point where there was so much blood on the walls and beds that they had to use ashes and cinders to soak it up. Wow. So when you, when you think so of, like when a kid throws up and the janitor yeah. comes out with that stuff. Yeah. That's well, essentially the equivalent right. of that here. Or like if uh, if there was a bad car accident and there's like um, uh, uh, drink, uh, like fluid from the car from the car's engine on the road. Yeah. You know, they put down like, you know, uh, sawdust and yeah. stuff to soak mm-hmm. it up. I mean, it's basically what's happening, right? Yep. And they're coming in and they're throwing that stuff over the walls to soak it up and then brushing it up later. I mean, it's. When you, if you can imagine to yourself, um, uh, it's like maybe just like a fly on the wall of uh, what that scene must look like uh, with just all that stuff everywhere. I mean, it's just gruesome to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it says here that uh, uh, sh- uh, they once beat a servant in Vienna so loudly that her neighbors, some of them monks... Threw clay pots against the wall to protest. Um, so it's nice to know that the monks did not break their vow of silence. Um, well, I mean, is it is it is it them or the pots that broke the silence? Right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So, um, but but also think about this. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm assuming uh, probably most of the houses were stone or brick at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And so you've got that's that's some pretty loud screaming to be able to hear through stone or brick. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see what else do we got here. Uh, she strangled servant to death with a silk scarf, <laughs> scarf, a harem technique known as the Turkish way, a euphemism I now endeavor to work into my daily life. I don't know who said that, but uh, whoever the author that found these, yeah. One. And I'm like, no, you yeah. don't want to work that into your <laughs> daily life. Stay but, away. Yeah, that I don't know what you would use the Turkish way. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. It doesn't leave a mark. I don't know. I. Yeah, that's that's probably. I mean, think about a, a scarf. I mean, it's probably. I don't want to <laughs> give anybody any ideas, but it's probably you know yeah. draped across the neck. So, um, like you know, what they used to say in, in, you know, beat somebody with a bag of oranges or something like that. <laughs> you never heard that. No. <laughs> if you yeah, if you if you beat somebody with a bag of oranges, it's not supposed to leave any marks because the oranges are so soft and in the and the the. They're spread out across whatever you're wherever you're beating that person out. That there's no like uh, bruising or whatever. That's I just use it. a bag of soap, <laughs> like liquid soap. I just use a sock with uh, <laughs> homie. Don't play that sock. Yes, with the <laughs> with the ball in the inside there. Yeah. So, um, uh, burned her servants with metal sticks, red hot keys, and coins. Ironed the soles of their feet. And stuck burning iron rods into their vaginas. Jesus. 
I don't even want to talk about that one. No. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it's a, just a lot of branding going on, essentially. Yeah. <sighs> it, it was basically like she woke up in the morning and said, what have I not tried yet? Yeah, what have I not tried yet? Exactly. Uh, she would stab them, prick them in their mouths and fingernails with needles, and cut their hands, lips, and noses with scissors. I mean, some of this sounds like torture techniques in Vietnam as well. Yeah. Know? Well, the whole, I mean, I, the fingernails thing, just with, uh, um, uh, yeah. So, um, used, uh, needles, knives, candles, and her own teeth to lacerate servants' genitals. Well, I mean, here we get into a little closer to vampirism. Yeah. You know, using her teeth to lacerate. Right. Um, uh, particularly the genitals, uh, crazy man. And I, and I know we'll talk a little bit about this, uh, but you know, a lot of this started out as a way for her to, you know, get her youth, you know, to preserve her youth. And then it just spiraled. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. Um, um, she stitched their lips and tongues together. So like, you know, I've seen, in movies and and and, and uh, artist renditions and things of like you know the person with their mouth sewn together, yeah, but, sewn together. But um, I, I mean, imagine, I guess you would be having your tongue sewn to your lips and then your lips sewn together as well. I mean, it must must be, yeah, because and so you can't even move your tongue, right? So there's no talking, there's no humming, there's no well, you can't eat, you can't drink. There's no moving your tongue around. Ah, oh, I just can't. I can't. I can't deal. <laughs> Just like, again. just like, take your tongue and hold it with your teeth and see how long you can do that. You know, not not right now, but but just to give you an idea of what that might be like. Um, so yeah, made uh, servants sit on stinging nettles, uh, which I'm not really sure what a stinging nettle is. Probably some type of a plant. Yeah, it is. It's a type of plant. Okay, uh, then bathe. They, it causes like a rash too. Okay, so it's already bad enough. Like it's a pokey plant, and then it also causes like a, pa- a, a freaking scratchy, itchy rash. And it's like agave. Yeah, agave does that. So, so then, then once they set on it, uh, then they would bathe with the stinging nettles. During the bath, she'd push the nettles into their shoulders and breasts. And speaking of baths, she would have them stand in tubs of ice water up to their necks outside until they died. So she froze them to death in a tub of ice water. Yeah, just with her heads out so she could watch them suffer. Right. Watch them freeze to death. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't even want to think. I mean, I have a pretty active imagination and I don't want to think about that. So, um Smear. She wants. Uh, so they smeared a naked girl with honey, and left her outside to be bitten by ants, wasps, bees, and flies. That's a very um, popular image that shows up in a lot of her films and books and things like that. That one almost always happens. And my dad has a massive fear of ants, and like I could imagine that would be his worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I have a massive fear of bees, and so yeah, yeah. same. I'm not allergic to bees, but. Yeah. Same. I hate them. They're the devil. I will burn a house down. <laughs> um, she would keep them from eating for a week at a time, and if they got thirsty, she would make them drink their own urine. 
So this is not water world urine here. Yeah. This has not been changed back into water a la the Christ child. <laughs> yes, I mean, His name is Kevin Costner. <laughs> from, a, uh, from a strictly uh, scientific point of view, you know, urine is sterile. Um, you, you can drink it. It probably doesn't taste great, but um, there's nothing in urine that can make you sick. Um, that being said, I don't think that um, it was probably a, you know, a good experience for the people who, oh, sure. who had to drink their own their own piss. So yeah, you you wanted to be you were like, please don't say you're thirsty. Don't lick your lips. Don't lick your lips. Right. Don't lick your lips. Right. But please I mean, so my tongue. To but my I mean, lip. if if you're being withheld food and water, eventually you're gonna cry out. I mean, it's just the body can only take so much, or I guess do without so much. So, um, so this one I I find this next one I found like just. Yeah, I just did force them to cook and eat their own flesh. Jeez. Usually from the butt or make sausages and serve it to guests. So their butt sausage. So so she's torturing her guests without letting them know. Right. And that's something I've heard of too is that that sneaky cannibalism, you know, haha to watch others eat human flesh. Well, so this one when I read this, when I saw the serves it to guests, I immediately thought of Sweeney Todd. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but the I mean, is it is it like is it worse to eat human flesh? Like, is it worse when it's your own? You know, like well, I mean, they, there's there's been lots of studies around um, what eating human flesh does to the mm-hmm. to humans. I mean, and it will it'll drive you. It it I don't know if it's a psychological thing or the fact that you're actually you know the psychological aspect of knowing that you're eating human flesh versus the, uh, what it does to your body, uh, you know, physiologically for eating human flesh. But I mean, it, it will drive people insane. It, it just, so, <clears throat> um, you know, to know that you're eating, um, that to, to know that you're, you're, you are a cannibal at that point in time probably has a huge psychological impact. And for then sure. also, also just that, the physical aspects of eating human flesh. And then your own. Right. Like I said, and then it's your own. And so... I mean, if it had a high fat content, it probably just went back to the butt anyway. But. <laughs> just regenerated. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just really... Just a lot of this stuff is just just really sick to think to think that uh, that it was happening. And, and really, you, you really feel bad for um, the fact that so much of this stuff happens to servants and because of, of I guess like the caste system and servants being so low in the caste system that there was nothing that it's not like they could go and talk to their well, supervisor and something about. I read a long time ago too is that she would go out into the kingdom and find the poorest ones that they could and they would make it to these families as if this was the greatest thing that right. could ever happen and families would gladly send yeah. their children because they're thinking oh my goodness right. she's going to have a good life and I'm sure yeah. she would pay some of them these I families mean, it's like an internship you yeah know. <laughs> really and an, an internship to hell it's so. like you're always going to be poor but at least you're going to be poor in a nice place and get to wear right. fancy dresses exactly. you know yep. um, this one's really weird um, she would heat up a cake to a red hot temperature and then make a servant eat it while it's like just the hottest it can be. Hmm. Well, and I, you, you, the term, the, the word cake here is probably not like what people think of as cake is like birthday cake or, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, 
cakes are also in, in a lot of European countries. When you talk about cakes, you're talking about. Um, I'm trying to think of what the what the uh, U.S. equivalent is, but it's basically like a um, kind of like a meat pie in, in the U.K. Mm-hmm. Where it's not <clears throat> it's not like it's not spongy cake is what I'm getting to. Yeah, here. It's, you know, more it, like a crust. It's like a crust, like and a it's crust. and it's got like usually like meat and stuff in mm-hmm. it, or like a really heavy and and thick um, uh, like uh, almost gravy. like a gravy type yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, so that's gonna burn yeah, yeah. like crazy. So, um, yeah, I mean that's. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, she well. So what's interesting here is that she really liked uh, to be in the kitchen because the next <laughs> one here is that she baked a magical poisonous cake in order to kill a rival magistrate. Um, it, it turns out this this guy George Thurzo, which you know not a bad clown name, right? Um, was also the guy who arrested her. So, obviously, she didn't get around to giving him the poisonous cake. Um, right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a little bit of the Wicked Witch type. Yeah, thing well, speaking of which here, she once cast a magic spell to summon a cloud filled with 90 cats to torment her en- enemies. <laughs> <laughs> they just came into people's houses and just yeah. knocked remotes off. Like... <laughs> All remotes and glasses. People were sleeping, and they just sat on them and looked mm-hmm. at them in the face. So, yeah. Um, so, had an ongoing affair with some guy named Ironhead Steve. That was my that was my nickname. That was <laughs> my nickname in high school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, of people to potentially have affairs with, I guess Ironhead Steve is not a bad way to go. Yeah, I guess that's better than Soft Elbow Jan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, Soft Elbow Jeff. You know, She yeah. once stuffed five servants' corpses underneath a bed and continued to feed them as if they were still alive. So she was still torturing them after, after they died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> you've heard of the, the Princess and the P. This is the Princess <laughs> and the Five Corpses. Princess <laughs> and the Five Corpses. We just played with them. Um, <laughs> so she, uh, she would bury uh, 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 her victims... In gardens, grain pits, orchards, and occasionally cemeteries, sometimes with with rites, often without. So I, I'm not, uh, I wasn't uh, raised Catholic, but now Stefan, I know you were. So the whole rites thing is really big, right? Yeah, Maybe. it's really, really big because it meant that you essentially didn't get into heaven. Oh. I mean, it was a big deal. So, so if you don't have rites, you're stuck in purgatory. Yeah. Okay. There's a, you can do a lot of the things that get you into heaven, but if you haven't done them all, you'll be stuck in purgatory. I, I think there's ways to get around it and things like that. It's been a long time. Yeah. And that's ancient Catholicism as yeah, well. Yeah, like grease palms of the mm-hmm. saints or whatever. So, um, But yeah, one thing that I wanted to mention um, that we didn't bring up. Uh, first of all, I found out that where her castle is still there, by the way, uh, is in what is now Slovakia. Okay. So to give you a better understanding of where it sits. Um, but one of the things I remembered and I had forgotten about is that um, her husband was the chief commander of the Hungarian troops when they were warring against the Ottomans. So she did a lot of this while he was away at war because yeah. she was bored. bored. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I, I do remember reading that. And I, I remember and we've actually got this here where it says um, 
she actually so it, you know we talked a little about this and when we read through the the, the stuff that she did but um, she enjoyed tor- torturing and killing young girls at first they were her servants in her castles daughters of local peasants but later they included girls sent by her local gentry families to learn good manners so that's what you're talking about with you know going out to the families mm-hmm. and saying hey you know, send your send your daughter to me, and I'll teach them how yeah, to. Yeah, the original Girl Scouts. You know, hold their hold their hold their uh, cups while they drink. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and like you mentioned, you know, she believed that by drinking the blood of the young girls, it would preserve her youthfulness and looks. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I just want to touch real briefly on her um, uh, the trial. Okay. So they did, as we, you know, because we have the 300 individuals who testified, um, or the testimonials, that uh, there was eventually a trial. Um, the uh, Hungari- Hungarian authorities began the investigation in 1610. If you'll recall back to. Yeah, Thurzo, right? You know, Thurzo was the guy who, who did everything with the arresting, and if you recall back, she died in 1614. So this is. You know, towards the end of her of her, yeah. her life is is you know, um, so in December of that year, uh, she was arrested. Uh, four of her favorite servants um, and intimates. Um, not really sure. Probably, I, I would say that servants were probably the people that did kind of general things, and intimates were probably servants who were allowed into the bedchamber. Right. Um, mm-hmm. um, who were accused of being her accomplices. Um, they were tried and found guilty. Three of the uh, servants' uh, intimates were executed, and the fourth was sentenced to life imprisonment. Um, you know, I talked about in the beginning that her stature or, or status uh, in in the environment, in the in the uh, her nobility helped her out. Right. So this is where it helped her out. So <clears throat> she was not put on trial. Of course not. She, but what what she was doing? What she was is she was locked up basically in her castle. She wasn't allowed to leave uh, from her castle. And so from 1610 to 1614, she was just basically in a room, solitary confinement, whose windows were walled up. Mm-hmm. So just in a cell with no windows, no door. Well, I had door, but no windows, no no view of the outside world. Oh, for, poor baby. For four years. Poor baby. Yeah, until she finally died. Mm-hmm, whatever. Yeah, I have no um, sympathy for her at all. Um it's a shame you know i mean she died in a way i mean i guess that's a worse death than being executed for sure especially someone who did all this because she was bored i'm sure she ended up being really bored yeah i I mean i did um i remember reading uh something when i was researching it that uh basically the the guard who was stationed uh, outside of her room like went in and said said something she wanted something said something to her um, came back out and then went back in the next time and she was dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, when she was a child, she suffered from a lot of seizures, epilepsy. Um, but many people believe it was due to the inbreeding of her parents due to like trying to keep that royal line, royal line. going and things like that. Back then it was called the falling sickness. Um, but they think that some of this had to do with that because back then treatments included rubbing blood of a non-sufferer on the lips of an epileptic 
or giving the epileptic a mix of non-sufferer's blood and a piece of skull as their episode ended. This leads to the speculation that Elizabeth's killings during her later life were part of her efforts to cure the illness that she had since she was a young child. So there are some people that believe that. Um, and that I have heard about the rubbing the, the yeah. blood on the lips. So, the, I mean, I, I would think that uh, you could probably get uh, one or two people to give you a couple of pints of blood. Mm-hmm. And that should be good for a while. I don't think you need 650 people. And you definitely don't need to make them bathe with uh, sticky plants. Right. And, you know. and, of course, there's legends that her parents were extremely cruel and sadomasochistic. And Elizabeth, like when she was a kid, would see them perform brutal punishments on family officers and servants um, and that also she was taught by family members who were involved with Satanism and witchcraft. Of course there's no hard evidence for this but (laughs) she was oddly enough raised a Calvinist Protestant Hmm. Um, so that's pretty interesting so uh, I believe Calvinists believe once saved always saved so she's good we'll see (laughs) Christian you will see her in heaven (laughs) um uh, and that also that at the age of 13, before her first marriage, allegedly she gave birth to a child, oh. uh, that it was fathered by a peasant boy. And of course, this really messed her up. It, they, some people say that this child was taken to Wallachia, which is where Vlad eventually or Vlad was from, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. But none of this is, you know, legit to quit. You know what I'm saying? Hey, 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 hey. Uh, but yeah, so there's a there's a lot. Her husband did die before any of this came out. Um, so in a way, it's kind of for him. He never really knew. Yeah. Though, come on, 650 people, right? You knew. Yeah, people talk. I mean, it. Imagine what the smell must have been like in oh, the castle. God, yeah. So I mean, how do you not come home? I mean, now granted, you know, if he's warring a lot, he's used to that smell. Maybe he's nose blind to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I mean. Um, <clears throat> That is, uh, that's a lot to overlook, and and maybe that's why he was gone so often. I don't know. Well, and the other thing is, is that um, in the beginning, a lot of her uh, victims were aged ten to fourteen, and so you know those were kind of things that a man would probably stay away from, and right? Things like that. The ladies kind of dealt with ladies, and men dealt with men, right? Uh, you know, kind of along those lines. Um, but I mean, there was just. So much going on. I mean, there were also abducts. She didn't always get them nicely. Sometimes they these women would be abducted, um, and it was always women. And you know, and the, Elizabeth herself is even suspected of cannibalism, hmm. um, to have eaten the flesh of many of these. Um, and of course, the most famous thing, which is which is bathing in their blood. In their blood, yeah. Um, now that came out way later. That didn't come out at the trial, um, but it did come out way later. But yeah, I mean, that's the most famous image that I can think of is her bathing in blood that she believed and this kind of fits that narrative of wiping the blood on the lips yeah you know that she could twist later um that maybe she felt so young then because of that and that she wanted to cover her skin with the 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 blood of young and youthful and virgin blood as a way to get rid of the wrinkles out of her um well i wonder if if um is drinking the blood human blood is that considered cannibalism because you're technically I mean, you're consuming well, I, other people. Yeah, I don't know. It's vampirism, so I don't know. I mean, it's. I mean, that would be about you know semantics, I guess. But yeah, uh, just just something I was thinking of there is. Yeah. So, um, let's see. So <clears throat> she uh, 
you know, went to the, the investigation, um, that, that started and everything. Um, so that, that one actually went on for, let's see, between 1602 and 1604, uh, the rumors started to spread throughout the kingdom. And then finally in 1610, that's when they started doing the investigation. So, you know, here it still went on for another six to eight years before they finally said, Hey, you know, let's, Let's look into this and yeah. see what's going on. Um, and there are, um, in the Hungarian State Archives, there's a lot of information there that's still there. There's even um, 32 letters written by Bathory that are in there. Um, apparently there's rumor that um, she has diaries somewhere that they haven't hmm. found yet. Um, and in fact, on the night of her death... Uh, it was the 21st of August, 1614. Um, the only thing that was in that room were small slits left open for ventilation and the passing of food. Uh, this is some, there are some legends that say she didn't even get light. Like, there hmm. wasn't even any light. Just what came in through those slits. But on that evening, Bathory complained to her bodyguard that her hands were cold, whereupon he replied, It's nothing, mistress. G- just go lay down. She went to sleep and then was found dead the following morning. She was buried in the Church of Coctiche on 25th of November, 1614. But according to some sources, due to the villagers' uproar over having the blood countess buried in their cemetery, her body was moved to her birth home at Exed, where it was interred at the Bathory family crypt. The location of her body today is unknown, and uh, the church or the castle do not bear any markings of her possible grave at all. Hmm. So they have so just, no idea. So what's interesting there is that um, I guess people were... Well, so so I think there's a couple of things that are interesting. Is that A, um, after all of that, she still received a proper burial. Mm-hmm. That has to be for nobility. I mean, it's, that's the only way that that, that happens. Um, uh, B, uh, people were in an uproar, and that's why they moved the body, not because of, like, grave robbers and things yeah, like no. that. It was, you know. <clears throat> and then C, I think it's interesting that um, they they have basically hidden the body away and made no markings to its location, probably to spur, um, uh, I don't know, you know, people who might be uh, encouraged to do similar things or praise or worship or whatever that, you know, what what she was mm-hmm. doing or what she stood for. So, um, so moving on into kind of pop culture, um, yeah. she, you know, she did very well. <laughs> yeah. She actually fit into a lot more pop culture in a lot of ways in the early 18th and 19th century, more so than Dracula did, um, Vlad, um, because it was, excuse me. Um, it was a Jesuit, in 1729, he was a scholar uh, that wrote this this book called Tragedia Historica, so historic tra- tragedies, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the first time her legend ever appeared in print. So in 1729, uh, he was the first one to write about her case, and it spread like wildfire. Yeah. Um, that's where people started to learn the legend, were absolutely obsessed with it. Um uh, and then from there, it just went more and more books were written, um, especially because she was a female. Uh, they talk about uh, they have concluded that the theory that Bathory murdered on account of her vanity sprang up from contemporary prejudices about gender roles because women were not believed to be capable of violence for its own sake at that time. What's interesting here is it says that um, some witnesses accounts 
were first published around 1765. So then that's when you actually have, you know, kind of that listing of, uh, of things that were, uh, that were done during, uh, her, uh, reign of terror, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <clears throat> in, uh, there was a, there was a book written called Hungary and Transylvania, uh, in 1850 by Jean Paget. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that inflection there. It doesn't say, <laughs> <laughs> um, that uh, that were the supposed origins of uh, Bathory's blood bathing, although his tale seems to be fictionalized, uh, recit- uh, or of the oral history from the area. So, so they're saying that up until that book was written in 1950, she didn't bathe in blood. So it, it really makes you wonder how, you know, how much of this is the true account versus how much of this is um, uh, creative. Uh, storytelling throughout the years, especially if the first uh, written account didn't occur until 1729. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, you know, uh, one of the cool things is too is uh, so Doc Ray Stoker, who is the great grand nephew of Brom Stoker, was um, allowed by the House Stoker to create the uh, sequel to Dracula called Dracula the Undead, and in this uh, Dracula, of course. Uh, meets her. She's in this and Seward is going after looking for Elizabeth Bathory. Um, They say in this that she's the cousin of Count Dracula and she decides to move to London as well and begin murdering women under the guise of Jack the Ripper. Um, There's also the historical novel, The Countess by Rebecca Johns that really gets into it kind of using a um, first person historical Vision, of course. Then there's the ma- the vampire myths, which we just talked about. Uh, just so much stuff, and uh, there are there are a bazillion books, both fiction and nonfiction. Um, she's also depicted in one book as the reincarnation of the demoness Lilith in a fictional novel called Demoness. Um, she was in a Buffy the Vampire Slayer book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I was surprised they didn't use her in the show. Uh, because even Dracula showed up in the show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so much. I mean, even uh, there's a character that George R. R. Martin based off of her in A Song of Ice and Fire, a character named Mad Donnell Lothston, um, who was rumored to have stolen children from the land surrounding her castle and bathed in their blood, was mm. inspired by her. Uh, just so much. Lots of poetry, tons of comics. The first stage play was created in 1865 called Elizabeth Bathory, A Historic Tragedy in Five Acts. Um, and there was not another play until 1975. So there, here's where I wanted to get to. So there's a huge lapse because of the success of Dracula. Yeah. Um, like I said, she was the most famous vampire like people had already begun writing about her as if she was vampiric and things like that. And then Dracula shows up and just demolishes anything. We don't even see another play until 1975. And in fact, we don't even get a film that involves her. So all through universal, they did daughter of Dracula, all those things that they could have used Elizabeth Bathory, all of this stuff. None of it was done until 1970. Now there's a, um, you know, kind of depends. There's a very independent film that was very low budge, blah, 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 that came out before this, but I don't count that one because this one came out from hammer films because they were hitting hard on the success of their horror films, especially with all the Dracula stuff with Christopher Lee. And I have seen, 
seen this movie and it's awesome. And it's called Countess Dracula. Um, and it's got Ingrid Pitt, who is amazing, uh, followed by da- Daughters of Darkness, Curse of the Devil. I mean, they just went nuts uh, from there because that movie did really good and it caused everybody to go, yeah. ooh, because also the 70s was really big on the lesbian vampire oh, motif yeah. that was really hot at the time. Um, so a lot of that's out there. Um, Bloodbath. Yeah. Just so much stuff. She was in Brothers Grimm, <laughs> you know. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised that um, that no one has picked this up to, to do a remake because that's that's what everybody does now, right? It's yeah, a remake, just a big so. remake. Um, but I mean, I feel like it would be uh, a blockbuster. In- yeah, I, I mean, like there hasn't been, as far as I can tell, a huge like big movie with her since that from the 1970 there's been some crap movies um and she's been a part of other movies like i said um whatever brothers grim yeah uh she was in uh hellboy blood and iron the animated movie uh she was in bram stoker's dracula's curse i don't even think that was big uh hostile part two says that a character's name was mrs bathory I don't know if that was intentional or not. 30 Days of Night, Dark Days. So the sequel there, she's in that, which I would fit that one a little bit more. And uh, when the Fright Night remake came out, they made a low-budget sequel. (laughs) She's in that um, as uh, Jerry Dandridge's... uh, wife uh jerry dandridge with a g um so that's awkward um and some movie called um salem bloodbath looks kind of cool and then the the last one that i recognize on here is 2016 and it's the neon demon um i haven't watched this yet but it shows up on my shutter queue quite a bit but i know it's about uh women obsessed with youth and beauty and 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 Hmm. things like that so maybe that's why it's counted there but yeah, I mean, I just I feel like this would be uh, something that uh, you know someone would pick up and do today, and just and just scare the bejesus out of yeah. people. Just I'm all about it. There, I mean, there are plenty of music too, bands and songs, especially like black metal and and things like that. There's a lot on her, um, but you know, and and as usual, I mean, we didn't even scratch the surface of oh yeah everything there. Yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely an interesting story. She's all through a number of different video games. Um, she's one of my favorite characters in history as well as, you know, mythology and stories and stuff like that. Uh, in in Castlevania, she's considered to be Dracula's niece. I, there's just so much cool stuff. But speaking of stories, we want to get into our listener story. Yep. Uh, we, this one actually comes from um, a friend of ours, but a very good friend of yours. Yep. Uh, Jason Kirk. And... Uh, He's awesome, and uh, he's one of those dudes that I don't think takes things lightly. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like if he's if he's telling us something, we need to listen. Yep. So let's let's check out this story, uh, this listener story from Jay Kirk. So this story comes from um, a really good friend of mine, uh, Jay, and um, this actually uh, was one that I helped was participant in. So a few years ago, um, uh, we went to one of those guided tours at Waverly. It was a chilly night, so I had a light jacket on. There was about 25 people in the group. And if you've never been on one of those tours, they guide you through and talk about the history, then pause at special places and turn off the flashlights and let you, you know, take it all in. Um, We had stopped on the third floor and were looking down a hallway. I was out in front. So I took a few steps forward, away from the group, 
and crouched down next to the wall. No lights were on, but the moon was out, so there was some light coming in through the windows. As I crouched there, I felt something tug on the hood of my jacket. I reached back and nothing was there. The guide turned her flashlight back on and asked if anyone saw anything. I asked my friend if he had touched me or my jacket, and he said no, but he had seen it move. Ooh, somebody be tugging on. <laughs> and Waverly, of course, is oh, yeah. just, you know, filled with tugs and pulls and pushes and all that stuff in the in the not good way from yeah. the Castle Cocktees. Right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was um, and, and, like I, I was there. I mean, it was probably uh, three or so feet in front of me, you know, crouched down against the wall. And I mean, I I saw the back of his jacket move. And, oh, so you legit saw yeah. this. Oh, man. That's crazy time. Yeah, it was um, it was really interesting to to again see that, and then him to say, "Hey, did you pull on my jacket?" You know, right. So just, yeah. <laughs> well, make sure if you guys have a story, if you're listening out there, so see it. It doesn't have to be this crazy elaborate story. It can be as simple as just being somewhere and getting your coat tugged and no one's around. I mean, we want to hear these stories yeah. because we believe you. Um, send those stories to fearscapepodcast at gmail.com or just get onto our Facebook page or Twitter. Uh, heck, even Instagram. Send us a picture with you thumbs up and send us a story. Um, just let us know those stories and we will read those here on air. Um, but uh, we got to get out of here. Yep. Gotta we go. got to get out of here. Got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to go. Uh, next week, we got a really cool one. It's one of my favorite hauntings of all time. So I'm not even going to spoil it who it is. But, oh, I love this story. <laughs> it's got Elizabeth and uh, Mr. Warren in it. So uh, I'm really excited. Yep. So, but yeah, uh, or excuse me, not Elizabeth. Boy, I'm in bathroom mode. Ed and Lorraine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got to get out of here. Thank you for tuning in to 100.9 FM WCHQ, as well as Destination Nation Network at DestinationComics.com slash DNN. This has been Stefan, and uh, I will catch you on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. That's right, folks. Make sure to hold those blankets extra tight. Good night, everybody. Good night. Okay.